are one of the ways that we demonstrate, that we demonstrate, that we live out who we worship. And like every other area of our life, we want to teach the truth about giving so that you will live your life in a way that demonstrates you worship God, that you have faith in him, that you trust him with your life. And so please understand that that I hope the last thing I would want you to feel today is like guilt and condemnation, that somehow this is a burden that I'm, I'm placing on you. This is a blessing that I'm revealing to you, that as you step into it, you will find life to the full. That's what giving's about, is, is finding life to the full, trusting God with more of who you are and what you have, demonstrating what you have faith in. Yourself, your ability to provide, stay in control, or God. And last week, I made this, this point when I was talking about the woman who gave two copper coins. She gave all that she had in the temple. Jesus was watching them. Very wealthy people coming in, dumping lots of large sums of money in this treasury. And Jesus saying, basically, she has more giving power than the rest of them because in proportion to what she has, she's demonstrated more faith and more trust in who I am by giving everything. So I talked last week that we all have the same proportional giving power. And and what that is, that giving power is is basically the power that you have to exert into the kingdom of God, demonstrating that you have faith and trust in God based on the percentage of what you give. And that she gave 100% demonstrating that her giving power was greater than the man who gave 10% because he held back 90 And I didn't say, I wasn't saying it was a guilt trip. I was just saying, this is what the text is revealing to us when Jesus looked at them both, who he said has the most power, who he said was demonstrating a greater faith and trust in the kingdom of God. And I I said all that last week. And so this week is really about us learning how to give and what we're giving to. And well, what does this mean? How do I step into this? I want to give. I want to be faithful. I want to trust God with more of my life. Because that's exciting and fun. So tell me how to do that. Or what's so difficult about doing that? I think, you know, what's difficult about giving our resources and trusting God with our finances is is that we can't see, we don't know what's going to happen in the year to come. Do we? And so basically what I'm doing today is I'm asking you to consider giving money next year without knowing what money you're going to receive next year. And that's one of, that's difficult. I mean, I'm with you. I know that's difficult. I, I actually, I'm not, I, don't, I mean, my wife knows it's difficult. But, you know, that we're, we balance each other out real well. But, um, but that's a struggle because it's hard to make decisions when we don't know what's coming up, when we don't know what's next. It would be great if right now I could tell each of you what your income would be next year, wouldn't it? Because then you could work up, you'll probably all have a little formula that you give based on whatever percentage of money you're going to have. You give a percentage of whatever you think it's going to have. That'd be easy. But it would, be, it would not be faith. It would be a demonstration of good financial strategy or good rational thinking. But by definition, faith doesn't have anything to do with those two things. Faith has to do with making decisions based on what is unseen, having confidence in what you believe God will do based on his faithfulness on, of what he has done. Hebrews talks about this, and this is a, a famous verse I want to unpack a little bit. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 
Now, you may be asking, um, before I get into this, well, Antley, why do we need to give? Don't we want to use wisdom when we give? Don't we want to think rationally? I mean, we're rational people. Well, of course you do. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not holding these things in opposition. I'm just saying it's a lot more fun and exciting when you give based on faith than when you give based on rational thought. Anyone can give based on rational thought. And God doesn't need to show up. But when you start giving, and your giving is based on what you can't see, and, you ha- and you're living out of faith, and something that's greater than you, that God has to show up, or that you'll be in big trouble, that's exciting. That's fun. And so as I talk about giving from a faith perspective, as opposed to kind of a planned out, well thought out strategy, it's not that one's bad or good. It's a combination of both. But I will tell you this, one leads to more fun and to more life and to more excitement and to more prayer and to more conversations with people that are doing the same thing that you are. It makes God bigger in your life. It takes control away from you. Okay, so this is what's happening in Hebrews because the author of Hebrews is setting us up here. He's basically getting ready to tell the audience that he's writing to This is how you live out the Christian life. And because you've changed, you should live this way, that you should no longer live this other way, but live this way. And so this is the scripture that just, this is the very end of chapter 10, and it says this in verses 35 to 39. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We are not those We are no longer people who shrink back and are destroyed. Instead, we live by faith in a way that demonstrates a fuller life, a greater life, a greater potential in who we are. The last thought of Hebrews 10 launches us into a new major section of the book, and it starts with chapter 11. We are not people who cower. We're not people who fear so that we become ruined is what Hebrews says. When you fear, you will become ruined. You will not be able to be who God created you to be. But instead, you will fasten, you will fix yourself on faith. And so preserve and enrich your life or live life to the full or have life to the full. With this thought, the writer launches us into an adventurous exploration of how the believer, secure in his new identity, as one of God's holy ones, is to live with, quote, deeper truths about who we are in Christ. Explained, the writer moves on to explore in depth the truth about this new way of life. Okay, so the writer, he's getting ready to tell us. So this is what life should look like as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And then he just hits us with verse 11.1. I mean, clear as day. In chapter 1, helping us realize that it is confidence in the reality of things we cannot see that lies at the root of faith. 
that, that, just, that statement is all kinds of jacked up if you think about it. I didn't even realize it until I read it this time. He, helps, he wants us to have confidence in a reality that we can't see. Well, reality, our reality, based on rational thought, has to do with everything that we can see. That's how subversive the Christian life is to the non-Christian life. That's how different the way we should be living is compared to the way everyone else lives. And so if you're giving or your prayer life or your business life or your marriage or your dating, whatever it is, if, you're, if those areas of your life look similar to the way that the people in the world live, odds are you're making your reality, your decisions based on what is seen as opposed to the person who is in Christ making, the, making their decisions based on a reality that is unseen. A reality, not a guess that it's see, unseen, but a reality of the unseen world or the heavenly realm or the kingdom of God. It is only by faith we understand that the universe, this is in verse 3, was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. This is living by faith. This is what faith is. Accepting as fact the truth that we cannot touch, that we cannot feel, or that we cannot see, and then acting on them. Accepting as fact the truths that we cannot touch, feel, or see, and then acting on them. So basically, today's talk, and my, this is my deal. My deal is to get you guys, to get us all living out of faith. We want to live out of faith. Along with using wisdom and good judgment, I'm not throwing that away. But the reason our church is growing is not because of great teaching. It's not because of great worship. It's because we're a church that believes great things for God. And we've seen people physically healed. We have. We've seen people with cancer, stage four, who are in remission. We've seen backs that were curved, straightened. We've seen people who were deaf, literally, who are healed. They're in the church right now. We've seen people emotionally wounded by jacked up father images, by absent fathers and authority figures in their life who have these deep voids coming into relationship with the father, him transforming transforming them emotionally, and they're new and they're different. And we've seen people spiritually come alive in Christ. They were once were dead, they've been brought to life. And that's just what Jesus said. That's why our church is growing. That's what's different about us. And so when we have testimonies and we serve, we demonstrate that we serve a living God who is alive. That's what is most important about us. That's faith. That's faith. Believing. God has solutions. I can't see, but I know that he does this because he always has. And so today, are we going to make decisions concerning how we live based on what we see? That's the, uh, that's the simple message of today. Are you going to make decisions about how you give and how you live based on what you see? Based on what makes rational sense? What you feel? What you can control? Or are we going to make our decisions today on how we live based on our faith? on who God is, 
what he says he will do when we trust him, giving him control of our life. You know, again, both are helpful in in deciding what you're going to do. But like I said, it's just a whole lot more fun to live by faith. It is a whole lot more fun to live by faith. The, The testimonies that I love the most are the ones where people come up and say, they tell stories of, I was here, I had no hope, and all of a sudden I'm over here. Look at this. That's amazing. That's fun. That's exciting. That's what transforms lives. That's what gives us hope. As opposed to, I'm not going to go with what's opposed to, because I, I feel like I talk, about, I talk bad about other, other things, but I'm not going to do that. But that's what's exciting. You know, whenever you go, whenever your kids are in a situation, your children are in a situation, there's no solution. You start praying about it, and things change. One of the people last hour, uh, there's two groups of people last hour, two people last hour. One person said, they, did the, they heard the giving talk last week. They gave all that was in their business bank account. Just gave it. They said, this is what, he felt like, you know, his wife was like, what are you doing? He's like, i just given it. I'm giving it. I feel like the Lord wants me to give this. And this week, a pharmaceutical company contacted him. He got all this work. And that's how, that was God's response to his faith. But that's not what was important. God's response isn't what, is what, is not what's exciting. What's exciting is that this guy demonstrated what he says he believes in a way that testifies to who God is. Whether he shows up or not, whether he gets the business back or not, he's living differently. He's living in an exciting way. You talk to him, he, he expanded on how that was affecting their marriage now, how he's approaching business now because of God's faithfulness. Another person came up and said, Two people, and they're talking about how in the middle of worship three nights, three weeks ago, just this something happened. And that there was this, this something happened with the Holy Spirit when he was worshiping. And he said, I didn't realize it at the time, but I see myself different. I don't see myself as a victim anymore. I don't see myself as someone who's broken anymore. And I just, I feel different about who I am. I'm just different. That's exciting to live in a way that if God doesn't show up, we'll be in big trouble. That's exciting. That's fun. I mean, do you want to get to the end of your life and look back and say, man, I've sure planned well. Whew. I am so, it was so thoughtful. It was intentional. There were no curveballs. I mean, wasn't that great? That was just great. You know, and then we golf every day. We fish every day. And, or we live by faith. We give abundantly, we live abundantly, abandon ourselves to God, demonstrate that God is greater than anything we could ask or imagine. You know, I I think, why don't we have more? Why don't we see more things happen? Jesus says, because you're not asking. You're asking what you can imagine. I want you to ask greater than what you can imagine. I want you to do more than you could ever think of. Okay, so now you should be thinking, okay, I'm on board, okay, motivation, we're there. So how do I do? I mean, one of the difficult things is, is that you need to, we, we should be able to consider God's track record, shouldn't we? I mean, if God's asking us to be faithful or and to demonstrate and to live out of our faith, well, then God should throw us a bone here. And we should be able to look and, and see that he's demonstrated that he is worthy of living for. 
And one of the things that helps us is if, if God has done something in the past, if God has done something in the past on a regular basis, it would make sense that he will be faithful in the same way in your life. Does that make sense? Well, here's an example. For example, if, if, if he hasn't been faithful consistently in the past in this one area, you might wonder if he's going to do it. Like if, does that make sense? It doesn't. I can tell you. Just look at me like deer in the headlights. Okay. If someone told you God is going to send fire down from heaven like he did with Elijah to burn your God-mocking neighbors. Someone told you that. God's going to send fire down on your God-mocking neighbors and burn them up. You might question whether that's going to happen. It would be hard to live and to demonstrate your faith in that area, wouldn't it? Well, it happened in the Bible once in the Old Testament. It hasn't happened since then in the history of the world or in the Christian church. So it would take a lot more faith to believe that that's going to happen in your life, wouldn't it? As opposed to if someone came to you and said, hey, Jesus, I have a sense that Jesus is really going to bring you rest from your anxiety and fear. You know, you just feel, you know, you're all wrapped up, but I just, I just feel like God's going to bring you that. And, and, and if someone told you that, you'd be like, well, wait a second. That's what Jesus did all through the New Testament. He even said, if we come to him, he'll give us rest. His, his burden is light. And whenever he talked about freeing the captives and the oppressed and setting people free, and that's what he was doing. He was bringing his rest. He was bringing his solutions to problems that didn't appear like they had solutions. He did that with people who were filled, filled with, with demons. He brought order spiritually. Whenever people had emotional wounds, the woman at the well, I mean, we see it time and time again. He brings restoration and order in a way that brings peace into their life in physical ways. People's bodies that were broken, he heals to bring order to what became broken. It's what Jesus does. It's what is central to his message is that message. And so you might think, well, yeah. I think he could do that in my life because of what he says in the Bible. But on top of that, you've been in a church and you've seen it happen for the last two years. On a weekly basis, you see people coming up and saying, this is what Jesus has done in my life. And so it's much easier for you to demonstrate faith in that area because of what the Bible teaches us about Jesus, and he's done consistently, what we've seen him do in the history of the church, and what we've seen him do presently in our life. And so when I ask you to believe that truth, it's a lot easier for you, as opposed to believing God's going to rain down fireballs and burn up your mocking neighbor. See what I'm saying here? You get it now? So, the natural application of that story is, has God been faithful when it comes to my finances? Has he proven that he can be trusted with this, with this area of my life? Has he proven that when River City Church has stepped out, that he will be faithful. It's one of the reasons I want to talk about what he's done this year. Because as I tell you the stories of what God has done, specifically in the area of finances, it should increase your faith. It should make you hopeful. It should demonstrate that, yes, God can be trusted here. I'm willing to step out. You know, last year was a huge step for us, specifically financially. More in some ways, than any other area. Because I got on a hiring pattern in the church. I felt like God was on the move, and we had about four people or five people on staff, and we 
bumped up at one point to 19 in the last year. I, I mean, God was just doing things. Advisory council felt like the staff was correct in this assumption. And so our budget from the first year to the second year doubled from just around $600,000 to $1.2 million. Our church hadn't doubled. But we said, we feel like this is what God's doing. And so if I tell you what God's done now, if he's, if he's raised that, then you should be excited. It should increase your, your faith, right? As opposed to, I'm like, whoa, he just left us hanging. I fired 17 staff this week. I'm sorry. I got it wrong. <laughs> and so we stepped out in faith. And after the second giving day, this week last year, $800,000 of pledges came in. And so the question for us became, are we going to live our life this year as a church based on the 800000 or do we expect God to bring the last third? We didn't know how he was going to bring the last third, but we believed that we were right in our assumption that he will lead us, he will provide for us, and then pour in some extra just to show us that he loves us. He'll show our art, do, the, do over-the-top stuff for us. Well... We stepped out in faith, and over, over $500,000 has come in of unpledged money. That's just crazy. In a church our size, almost, it's just under 500. Almost a half a million dollars of money that wasn't pledged came in as a result of God's faithfulness. We, you know we didn't have more giving talks. You know that I didn't come back and send you mean letters. You know that we kept on doing business as normal, and God was faithful. You know, there's, there's, this, there's this misunderstanding about our church, too, that we have all these big, heavy hitters, these big financial givers, and we don't. We don't. We have two givers that give an unusual, you know, a lot of money. Everyone else, it's diversified. It's separated. It's split up. It's people believing and demonstrating that God is alive here. And as I give my resources, he will be faithful. Institutions and churches that come again and again and again, and I don't mean this in a negative way, let me just say this. Let me just say this. It's a very powerful thing to have thrown the fleece out in front of you and see how God's responded without using guilt, without remotivating you and hammering this idea of money home. That's a very powerful statement of God's faithfulness in this area. And like I will tell you, it has nothing to do with new big donors coming on board and bailing us out. Nobody did that this year. You were the ones who were faithful in living out what God was doing in your life, demonstrating, demonstrating by proportional giving that you wanted to be a powerful influence in the kingdom. And so we have reason to trust God in this area. You know, our, this year our budget's only going up a couple hundred thousand dollars. We're not hiring new staff. We're hiring two new staff, kind of associate people at the top. So my marriage will make it another year. But we're, hiring, you know, we're looking for these two people. And, and we, we really need them, and there's money in the budget for that, but we're only, our budget's only increasing about $200,000 from our second to third year. But we believe that God's going to do that because he's demonstrated that he has. 
in your life. If you gave this year and you're sitting here today, your story is that God has been faithful, that he will pour out as we pour out, not in the same area maybe, but that he will be faithful. Another area that we believe that God was moving, that he has been faithful in demonstrating, is in the area we believed at the turn of the year, I felt, as well, and the staff, we felt like God was calling us out into this community. Not at the expense of our relationship with City Rescue Mission, but we felt like, and we continue to feel like, and this is the greatest area that we're moving into this year, that God is calling us out to bring transformation, restoration, and healing to this poor community. It's District 9 out here. And he's brought us into a relationship with, I met with city council people this year, talking about our vision. I met with, who else did we meet with, Kirby? With city council people, the school board people. We're trying to get them to give us a school. The lady called me on Friday, by the way, and she says, now's the time to move on this school if we want it. It looks like you can have it. I mean, exciting stuff. No one, no one knows what I just told, what I just said, I found out on a Friday. And so, sorry, Martha and the rest of my staff. I just found out. But that's happened. We have, we have people. We've had, we had someone offer us a warehouse that we could turn out because we're looking for a bigger space to meet. We've outgrown here. We need a bigger space to meet. And we've gone to two services as a result. We're trying to do, we're trying to be faithful. But when we stepped into this idea that God wants to do something out there, I didn't have a strategic plan. I didn't have a, you know, what that was going to look like. And so we hire Craig Carell. He comes on board. He's a missionary in Peru, knows nothing about what we're asking him to do, but he has a heart for the poor, and he starts ministering. He's the guy who's doing the football at the CRM this Thursday. And there's no women. Don't come if you're a woman. That's not going to be good. Just don't come. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what he was thinking. That's just all kinds of inappropriate. But anyway. Anyway. Cheerleaders. I'm not going to say that. But, um, but we hired Craig with the idea that this is, this is who God's going to use. And then God began to un- unravel things in a new community called Hollybrook. And so now, and we started just, there was already some little things going on there, but we stepped out in faith. There were college students bringing sandwiches and drinks and just playing with kids on Saturday morning. Craig came in, started listening to them. Well, let's just see what else God wants to do. And, just, and now, less than a year later, we have tutoring being offered every week there for kids who had no tutoring. We have someone who's doing dance over there weekly. I mean, I look funny in tights, but I'm getting it done. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just it's another area that God's really perfected in me. And so, we have, and so God's been faithful over there as well. I mean, there's a number of things. We, we gave away over 100 backpacks. We gave every kid in the community of Hollybrook a backpack filled with school supplies. Every kid who wouldn't have had one. You did that. It was your money that did that. And we just were stepping out, and God was being faithful. And then they, they just gave us this huge two-story building over there. And, and they said, just do whatever you want. Well, on the top floor, we have racks of clothes that we're putting out and furniture and all kinds of stuff for people's houses. We're collecting from here, and we're giving it to that community. We're at the River City Church, the share shop, we're calling it. And some of you have started working in there. We didn't plan for any of those things to happen. We didn't, we didn't know what God was going to do there. People have talked about doing art there coming up. I mean, all kinds of doors. God's just opening doors, and we're walking through them. But he's demonstrated that that's something that he's doing, and we want to be a part of that. That's his vision for our church. 
but we saw very little. We stepped out. He's been faithful and then added some to it. Mission trips is another thing. We know we're supposed to be missional. Let's go to Cuba. Lots of people have been to Cuba. So we got somehow, miraculously, we got our own license. So I'm taking my family on vacation to Cuba this year. No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. But the exchange rate, it's the only place the dollar still has weight. But it actually would be violating the religious visa. But we have a religious visa. We're allowed to take mission trips over there. I mean, it's crazy. We're one, we're one of the only churches in Jacksonville that can even do that. I mean, that's just amazing that God opened and did that. And so we planned three trips. We've taken five or six. The reason I say five or six is I don't know because I haven't been on any of them. None of them were a result of my planning or my great genius, which there is much of. But it's basically us just saying, this is what we think God's doing. Let's see. And so someone went on the first trip. He came back and said, I made all these plans. We're going back in two weeks. And we're teaching our ministry training course there. So we're teaching ministry of the power of the Holy Spirit to these fundamental Baptist churches. Who would have thought? That's just crazy. If we would have planned to do that, I probably would have lost my job. I mean, you would have thought I was crazy. But the fact, we're less than two years old, or just over two years old, and God is using us as a catalyst in another country? That's amazing. Us stepping out, God being faithful, leading us, and then even doing more than we ever expected. Us hiring Todd Chupp to bring in counseling and men's ministry. Elizabeth Coleman doing the, the ministering the power of the Holy Spirit courses, the gift ID courses, the freedom courses, all of these things. No idea. Each one of these people, with it, all of our staff have come within our church, God raising up people who want to live by faith. Some of them come on staff. I have conversations all the time with a lot of you who want to come on staff. But my, you don't need to come on staff to demonstrate faith. It just happens that these people's gifts, talents, and abilities fit the shape that we are right now. But all of us wanting to be you, stepping out and saying, God, I want you to show up. When we live like this, life is fun. It's scary at times. It might feel out of control. But this is the way God likes us to live, faithfully trusting him to lead us, to provide for us, to make up for the difference where we fall short. When we choose this path individually or as a church, he blesses us. He trusts us with more. We didn't set any goals about baptisms this year. You know, most churches every two years have one conversion of new believer. This year we baptized over 30 adults. Over 30 adults were baptized. They're in a little pool. We're going to do it in a few weeks or about a month right in the middle there, many of which who were coming, who, who didn't know Jesus at all. People in our life course, this last life course, didn't know Jesus, worshiping other gods, are following Christ now. It happens every year because of God's faithfulness. Over 20 babies dedicated and baptized. Families being transformed through their kids. My boy wants, him, wants me to read this story every night and through this and this and this. I mean, it's just amazing what God's doing. A lot of mistakes have been made along the way. I have screwed things up badly along the way. And I'll continue to do that pretty consistently. It's just the way I am. But we will never let, and you should never let, your failures determine your faith. You know, I tell my boys, if you're not falling, you're not trying. If you're not falling, you're not trying. It's just, it's just life. Failure is an option. 
but it's a safety net. The gospel is a safety net. God doesn't expect us to be perfect, but he expects us to risk and to trust and to live out our faith. Our vision for this year is greater than it ever has been because of what we've seen God do this past year. And I don't want to get into the details of it because I don't want you to give based on what we're going to do. I think that the information I've given you about what God is doing and the encouragement that we're going to keep doing that will be enough. We need you and want you to get on board. Again, not not because we need your money. We're going to do whatever God's going to do, whether you give or not. God isn't dependent on your giving, but he wants you to receive the blessings that come when you trust him, when you exercise your faith. My question is, will you join us? Will you be with us? Will you share your time, your talents, your gifts, and your resources with us to accomplish what God has for River City Church this year? And I promise you this, as you step in with us this year, we will walk with you. We will provide for you. We will protect you, and we will take care of you. That's what makes us different than parachurch ministries. They need your money to accomplish a purpose and task. Um, They need to function and to do something with your resources. And that's part of the kingdom. I'm all for that. I worked for a ministry like that for years. The difference in the church is we say, come and bring your stuff to us, and we bring our stuff to you. We walk with you regardless of circumstance, regardless of what you give, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're with you. We'll protect you. We'll heal you. We'll restore you. God says, my church, this is my vehicle for restoration and transformation. You can trust him there. He's proven over history that he can be trusted as you trust him. Will your decisions about how you give and how you live this year be based on good stewardship or be based on faith? Both are important. But giving and living based on faith is a lot more fun. And God has proven himself to be trustworthy at River City Church again and again and again. Everyone has one of these giving cards. What I want you to do, we're going to have a time of ministry in just a minute where you, where you can come up afterwards, but we want people to fill this out. If you don't have one of these, we've got, if you're a visitor, don't listen to anything I'm getting ready to say. But we want, to, we want you to fill this out so that you can take one of these, fill it out, and we can get it back. I mean, unless you want to give. I mean, you're welcome to. Show me the money. All right, anyway, you fill this out, and it talks about you can do a one-time donation. If you're going to finish out your 2007 pledge, just let us know that. But it is a place here where you can either give one time, you can pledge monthly or quarterly, or you can do ministry, sign up for one of the ministries. You need to add to this testosterone zone. That's the most powerful ministry in the church that's blessing the most people right now. It's a men's child care ministry that I'm leading, okay? It's very powerful. And... Ego-based, okay? So make sure you fill this out, all right? But we're going to give you some time right now. We're going to play some music. We want you to pray. This is between you and God. Remember, God's love is not conditional based on how much you give. doesn't matter. God loves when you demonstrate faith in him to provide, when you trust that he is big enough. So why don't you take some time, pray about it, fill this out. We'll have pens and cards. If you need them, just raise your hand. And I'll come back in just a few minutes, three minutes or so, and we will uh, respond in worship.